We all need a shot of encouragement to keep us going. A new beginning with Greg Laurie is sure to help in your journey of faith. Hear it twice daily. Details at vision.org.au. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. You might have caught the news. Uh, More Australians have died because of the COVID-19 coronavirus. National total now 11. The global death toll passed 20,000, where Spain has overtaken China's death toll. Thousands upon thousands of Australians have lost their jobs or lost working hours, and fears are that more bad news is on the way as more businesses are forced to close. Of course, the stock market on a roller coaster, big falls. Uh, there's some prediction of a recovery likely today as the U.S., has reached a deal on a stimulus equivalent to something like 3.3 trillion Australian dollars. A political saying that's going to be relevant for our conversation coming over this next hour, it's don't waste a crisis. Well, that challenge holds true for us individually and together, together as a community, together as a nation, and uh, perhaps you could even say together as a whole world. Well, out of this crisis, of course, are going to emerge some significant changes to the way things happen in our lives here in Australia and around the world. The idea there'll be new heroes, there'll be new standards of collective citizenship. We'll talk through some of these sorts of issues today as we go a little bit deeper. Charles Newington is the National Director of Family Voice Australia and who's back with us today. Charles, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Charles, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things today and I do want listeners to join in our conversation to feel comfortable to and to offer their two bobs worth when it comes to the sorts of issues we'll talk about. There is a question on our Facebook page. Is the coronavirus bringing out the best or the worst in our nation? And, of course, some subsequent questions there that I'm asking listeners to respond to. Well, what about the government? Uh, Best or worst? Uh, What about your local church? Best or worst? Uh, I mentioned, Charles, that political phrase, don't waste a crisis. I wonder whether you've got some reflection here as we get a conversation underway around the idea that we are in crisis. Some still, I think, adjusting to that, but we are in crisis and, and, and getting things in a bit of a foundation at the beginning, no doubt, is going to be helpful. What are your thoughts around that? those words, don't waste a crisis? Uh, thank you, Neil. Yes, it's a um, it's a historical uh, but a cynical reference uh, in political life to the fact that when a crisis occurs, uh, government has a new authority, a new opportunity to kind of um, uh, to re- to settle um, you know business as usual for a bit and to take uh, a more forceful hand, and it makes the government look more authoritative and more efficient, etc. So they they use it that way, um, but uh, in real terms. Uh, um, um, a crisis is an opportunity for us to all kind of uh, see life through an entirely different lens. Uh, it's there are lots of things that we 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 don't do when that we don't have a pressure on us. You know, there are things we let go uh, when there's no pressure on us. But when there is pressure on us, then we have to really look deeply at uh, what's important and uh, at our processes and what we're valuing. 
and uh, ultimately the value of our lives and the lives of other people around us. So it's a it's a it's a real reality check and can be very useful. Interesting, you say this about reality checks and the things that we get sucked into when times are good. Because I've even noticed. Uh, just listening uh, fresh to the songs that people are hearing on this station. Uh, As we hear different uh, Christian songs, uh, those words all of a sudden become alive when we're faced with a number of different crises uh, crises that are going on around us all at once. It's not just one crisis. There are lots of crises that we're all going through, but things look different. The things that we had as priorities even a week ago are beginning to fade and new priorities are beginning to arise. And so I imagine that uh, this is the idea here, that uh, when we've got different perspectives, uh, good times don't offer perspectives the way that bad times do. Uh, what are your thoughts around the fact that, you know, in bad times, uh, we have this opportunity to reprioritize the things that are important to us? Uh, yes, I think that it actually goes very deep to the, the cultural values that underpin a, a civilization or a, or a society. And, uh, you know, for some years now, we've been under the primary influence of, of humanism, the fact that... Um, we, we no longer put our confidence in God. It, it's, not, it's not in God we trust. It's in man we trust. And we feel very uh, triumphal because of the progress of science in so many different ways. And so we, we're sure that um, you know, somebody's going to come up with a fix for this uh, uh, soon, and uh, we'll soon all we, things will be back to normal. And uh, this is uh, the kind of um, narrative that we that we we live under and live in um, in a in a materialistic humanistic uh, society, and um, <laughs> that's fine until something happens that defies the normal mechanisms, normal, normal scientific mechanisms, management mechanisms, economic mechanisms that we that we uh, we've uh, we've relied upon so heavily. And uh, so that's what's going on at the present moment, that, that um, it's going to take a while for people to, to, to think deeply about this, but, but there'll be a lot of people that will already be starting to think that um, maybe um, we were a little quick to uh, abandon uh, God and faith and, uh, and, the, and the community of faith and uh, go off in this, uh, in this cloud of... Um, of euphemism and uh, and and illusion that uh, that man's got it all under control. Well, let's come down to where the rubber hits the road, and some of the images we've been seeing flashed across uh, news on our TV screens: uh, long queues outside Centrelink offices, uh, people turning up early so they don't have to wait hours and hours and hours in line because the queues are getting longer and longer. People losing their jobs, losing hours. Business owners having to close their businesses, as we've been hearing just over this past half hour. But uh, these are shocking pictures, Charles, and uh, these growing queues uh, may have, you know, uh, major consequences, uh, even as we're at the start now, things perhaps are going to get worse. What are your thoughts around those issues? I'm sure we've all heard people being interviewed in the queues, and one of the frequent comments is that they that the, the people standing in the queues have never, ever gone to Centrelink before. You know, they've always been self-reliant. They've always been able to get their own job and, and, uh, and earn their own money. And so there's, there's something quite uh, confronting for them about this experience, the, 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 the powerlessness that they find themselves in. 
And um, what I've been thinking is that um, it's such a powerful metaphor for us that, w- you know, we can we can uh, watch other people. We, we've become such a viewer society, you know, where we're, we're watching all this on television. And and momentarily we enter into some of the, the grief and the uncertainty that the people uh, express. But there's nothing quite like standing in the line with them and sharing that experience. And... Uh, and that's one of the things that hard times do for us is they 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 put us in an entirely different position so that our our our, our sensitivity our perspective uh, shifts and it's no longer just the viewer observer uh, uh, perspective where we can just you know we can change channels or we can go put kettle on or something like that when you're standing in that queue um, the reality of your economic uh, risks and, and predicament uh, that that <laughs> that's not easily resolved and 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 governments are doing their very best you know to provide stimulus and subsidies and all sorts of things but there's a process uh, and uh, you know they're doing their best to make that process as sharp and quick as possible but it's still a sort of a month out before people are going to get the benefit of that directly and so uh, this is this is one of the things that crisis does it just it just does for us. It gives us a perspective on reality that that nothing else does. Uh, no doubt, with the benefits on offer, and uh, for those who've lost jobs, lost hours, uh, to be able to take advantage of those as a safety net. Uh, but, of course, uh, there's a blowout in national debt, and no doubt there'll be effects on our economy that won't just be over if there is a six-month bridge to cross uh, because uh, these things will perhaps take years and years of uh, some pain and hardship. Uh, there's a certain, there's certainly a bigger picture involved in all of that too, Charles. Yes, I think that the, uh, the biggest news of the week is uh, President Trump's uh, decision to kind of break ranks um, on, uh, on the kind of medical advice to shut everything down and uh, keep it shut down until we start to see the numbers really falling off. Um, he's, he, people will be aware of the fact that he's, he's made a decision that after Easter he's, he's going to do everything he can to um, re-stimulate the economy uh, and, uh, and particularly the stock market because he's, I'm not a fly on the wall. I, 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 uh, I, <laughs> I don't know what to, how to describe uh, having the opportunity to fly around in uh, President Trump's head to, to, to really know what he's thinking. That would be quite a trip, I should imagine. But what, he, uh, what he's doing seems to reflect that he understands that the world economy takes its lead from the U.S. economy and from what happens on uh, on Wall Street, and uh, and he's acting, uh, taking a great risk, uh, a, a monumental risk, a risk that you know that I'm sure nobody who listens today would would have to, would want to have to take. Um, uh, and um, you know he's either going to be um, a pariah or he's going to be a hero. Uh, on the basis of his decision, but if 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 Wall Street doesn't stabilise, uh, none of the other world economies uh, uh, will, and uh, and so uh, this decision of his is um, is something that if we're praying, people, we will uh, we will pray uh, because um, th- this is this is of world significance, of world consequence, one way or the other. 
it might appear that he's putting a lot of faith and uh, the idea banking on using anti-malarial drugs uh, to have a beneficial effect uh, rather than waiting for a vaccine that we're being told could be uh, 6, 12, 18 months out. And I know that there are Australian scientists too who are working very hard uh, with what are some very promising drugs that have already been used for something like 70 years here in Australia. So there's a certain sense in which uh, this is another dimension which can offer some hope. Well, uh, there's no guarantee here yet, but, but of course, uh, you know, if you make promises about economies, it's based on something, and perhaps here the expectation that scientists will come to the fore and be, be able to work out how to treat the COVID-19. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on uh, you know, putting your faith in the fact that... Uh, there may be some sort of useful treatment. I can see here in Australia um, that we're doing both. You know, we're working as hard as possible uh, with uh, with a vaccine uh, research, but we're also uh, working as hard as possible on alternative medications that have some benefit. Uh, and... Uh, and we have to do both. In a crisis, you, you know, you, you don't just use one lever. You, you use as many levers because the, the, the crisis is, is complex. It's never just one factor. And, uh, and so we're not looking for a silver bullet. We're looking for a range of what we might call um, copper pellets, you know, in a shotgun approach where there's a whole range of different options that are going to play their role in, uh, in reducing the, uh, the impact of, uh, of this virus upon populations. So um, uh, I'm sure that there'll be lots of other things on, uh, on President Trump's list and also on our Prime Minister's list uh, as he um, does everything he can to, to, to provide, um, you know, uh, it's been said, you know, it, it, we're going to do whatever it takes. And and that mentality is um, it, <laughs> the deeper you go into it, uh, the harder it is, uh, the, the more costly it is. Uh, but you can't, um, you know, and there may come a time when you sort of say, well, we've done everything we can do. I could see, for instance, in an, um, in an interview or a broadcast by the Italian prime minister, a deeply moving one in which he, he recognises that they've done everything that they could possibly do um, and will continue to do that. But he, his, his interview kind of concludes that we're in the hands of God, you know. And, um, and that heart cry is, um, that heart cry, it's not, a, it's, it's not saying we'll, we'll stop doing the medication, we'll stop using the benefits of science and, and human management and social distancing and things like that. We, 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 we continue to do all that, but our hearts turn also um, uh, to God and we begin to pray, Lord, uh, help these scientists, help these people in government, help these, uh, these medical health um, authorities that are giving advice, um, inspire them. You know, I, I, in my own experience, and and uh, and in the experience of many people I've spoken to, people of faith, they they speak about the fact that when they were in a critical situation and they were praying over an engineering issue, I've got a, a close friend who's an engineer, and he he speaks to me about the number of times in his life um, he had these these sort of um, answers to prayer, and um, and and a, and a formula came to him or an, an approach came to him to a, uh, to, to a physical uh, a civil engineering problem, and I I've got a friend he's in heaven now but um, he was a medical doctor missionary doctor for many years and um, he 
he used to talk to me. I, I, I primed him because he was such a good conversationalist. And he would tell me about his experience as a doctor, how he'd find himself in situations where he just looked at a condition. I, I, the one that I come to, uh, to bear, to, 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 what that comes to mind is he was doing surgery on uh, on a patient who had a, a growth uh, on their heart, and he just looked at it and you know thinking, oh, this is inoperable, as it were, and he felt. The, uh, you know, these words come into his mind, uh, put your hand underneath it and behind it, and he slipped his hand underneath it and he discovered that the growth was actually in a sack attached to the heart and he was able to pull the growth out uh, <laughs> intact. And uh, uh, and it was it was that divine element that 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 goodness of God that um, that does come to us when when we're open to it and and we're most open to it when we're in a critical situation. A divine. I'll, I'll go on a bit if well, I may. Uh, just comes to mind, you know, the Celts, um, you know, people, the Irish and the Scots and those people on the Celtic fringe. They have a, a saying. They talk about thin places, and what they mean by that is that there are some places in the world where it seems like God is closer, where the distance between heaven and earth is thinner, you know, and He is closer. And that's true t- about times in our lives too. There are times in our lives when the distance between us and God um, is it seems either greater or or closer or or less. And and crisis is one of those things that moves us in our spiritual positioning, and we find ourselves um, thinking things and uh, with new sets of opennesses, and uh, uh, including uh, an openness to the reality of, of God. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. 1-800-316-316 to offer your thoughts for our conversation today. We're talking coronavirus. We're talking about the idea of a crisis. Uh, can you take advantage of good things in a crisis? Uh, what are your thoughts? 1-800-316-316. Charles Newington, the National Director of Family Voice Australia, is our guest. Charles, let's talk about blame for a few minutes a lot of people wanting to cast blame for what's happening with coronavirus. I mean, this is a global pandemic here and lots of people pointing at China. What are your thoughts about blame in this circumstance? Yes, I I think that um, this is one of the unintended consequences of, of humanism, of the abandonment of faith, that um, in the days of uh, when a society was generally um, religious and in Australian terms uh, generally Christian, um, if something went wrong, then uh, you could always blame God, you know, um, particularly suffering, you know, human suffering. You know, where was God in this? And uh, that was... uh, a famous, um, a famous reason why people were encouraged to abandon faith because you couldn't possibly explain the, uh, the kind of suffering in the world um, uh, in terms of a loving God. That's what people said. But now that the, the God's been um, retired, um, the, the, what humanism has to do is it's got to find somebody else to blame. And uh, so this is, this is our predicament. Who Who's responsible for this? So it's not unusual that we should be blaming, well, not we, but some, but some should be blaming China because they, um, they responded so slowly or they responded in the typical totalitarian manner by imprisoning the people that were trying to get the message out, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and um, so 
Um, but, you know, the blame will soon shift to whether the government's doing a good job or, or, or um, etc. So this is, um, interestingly enough, Bernard Salt wrote about this in the Australian uh, Weekender and um, he, his words are, he says, it was all so much easier when God could shoulder the blame, but he doesn't stop there. Forgive our sins and promise a better life. So what faith did was it said, look, this world is a fallen world. This world, this world is a world of crisis. It's a world where things go wrong, but it's not the whole picture. Um, God promises us uh, a life after this life, as it were, where things don't go wrong and um, living the hope of that. Interesting to talk about blaming God and uh, what great reflection that is uh, from an Australian sociologist, uh, Bernard Salt, and uh, this idea that in times past people would have blamed God and uh, in blaming God and uh, the idea of, uh, as you say, uh, you know, uh, repentance and, uh, and moving on from things because the humanistic approach doesn't give that option anymore. And so blaming God but uh, taking those further steps isn't, isn't really possible. Uh, let me just ask, though, heart-to-heart here, Charles, uh, no doubt there'll be people listening to our conversation now lost a job or uh, maybe there's someone in their family's been diagnosed with the coronavirus. Uh, the idea of blaming God, is this is it something you definitely cannot do or can you blame God? I mean, is blaming God, is, is, is that a, a way even of connecting with God? If you, in some ways, because our prayers are often very heartfelt, what are your thoughts here? I... Uh I believe it's important to speak honestly to God in prayer and uh, not to um, to carry over the tendency the social tendency to keep a, you know keep up appearances uh, we can't keep up appearances with God he knows us as we are um, I've I've found however that um, um, you know I'm thinking about um, the people that I've been privileged to serve when they've been going through a crisis like a bereavement I've found that um, it's not unusual for people to feel a deep sense of loss and anger, and they, and so where do you direct that anger? You know, you direct it. Well, you direct it to God because God symbolises where you have put your faith, and He seems to have let you down. And um, my uh, approach has not been to um, to try to um, kind of um, counsel them out of that necessarily um, my approach has uh, has has become to, to to lovingly walk with them through this uh, difficulty that they go through as much as possible to listen to give them opportunity to get things off their chest and um, and uh, and just live the love of God uh, with them uh, to because what they need at that time is they need um, they need sort of if you like tangible evidence, and what they gain from those who who have learned to trust God through difficult times is they gain they gain from their confidence from their quiet steady confidence in the faithfulness of God. I'll never forget on one occasion in my life when I was doing a, a new project and I was out there in the cold wind of uh, isolation when you do, you are in one of those situations, you're out there doing something. And my wife's um, grandfather was old and um, at that time, he said to, to me, how are you doing, young fella? 
And um, and I said to him, oh, Papa, and I just spilt my guts, you know. I just told him how I was and how things were, how hard they were and all that sort of thing. I had a real pity party. And he didn't say anything to me. He just listened carefully and nodded quietly. And I gathered from that silent witness that he'd been through times like that and he had proved that God is faithful. Let's take another call. Benita is in Salisbury in South Australia. Hi, Benita. Hi, Neil. I Benita. want to say, um, the things we are, we, 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 man trying to be God, that's what mostly it happened, because we are trying to be God and we do everything and we're not giving enough time to God and also the no priority, look at us, we mostly we, we give the time for everything, not for God. We, we are not frightened because we have to face this because when we don't give preference to God and we blame not the good things comes, we never say thank to God, but bad things comes, we are blaming God. It is wrong. So we have to see because this is for maybe for some purpose. God is doing something purpose. People now we are coming closer, though the churches are closed still. We can talk to each other about God and people now the your vision radio showing memory words. We can share those words and that's the comforting us. It's, we all have to pray, and that would bring the revival to everywhere. The whole world will come to know Jesus. That's what I think. Benita, you've got a, a lot of good thoughts in there. Let's get a thought or two from Charles Newington. Charles, what are your thoughts for Benita? Uh, Benita, I think that the simplicity of your faith and the authenticity of your faith is going to be a great encouragement to other people. And I encourage you just to go gently with them if they're struggling uh, with their faith or struggling with their experience and their situation in life. They they need uh, they need the loving in- interest of people. And um, I'm so glad that you're down there in South Australia in that town. And I pray that uh, when you come through this and we all come through this together, you'll look back on your experience as a very uh, wonderful experience of being able to live uh, as a living witness to the, the love of God. Benita, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You can also you can, uh, you can respond to a Facebook poll that we've got running. It's asking the question, is the coronavirus bringing out the best or the worst in our nation? And some subsequent questions with that. What about the government? What about your church? Lillian responded to the poll and said, I say best because it's God's nature to be kind to each other. Fear is from Satan. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. The world is being kind to each other and doing things for each other and going out of their way to be kind and helpful. It's not the community agencies. It's normal citizens like you and me who are doing these acts of kindness. Uh, you got a thought or two for Lillian here. Charles, what are your uh, what are your immediate uh, impressions? Yeah, thank you, Lillian. Great, great ideas, and and uh, I've been uh, made aware of a, 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 a Facebook page called the Kindness uh, Pandemic, and it, it's lots of stories of people, exactly the ones that you're talking about, just private citizens being kind to their neighbours. Or there's one wonderful story there of an old man who's who's in the shopping center and he gets to the uh, to the till and um his card is denied and and a young boy in the in the queue behind him sort of prompts his mum and dad and they come and they they pay 
for the man's uh, groceries and he's just so overwhelmed by it uh, he can't work out why that they would be so kind to him but um uh he says i wasn't buying these things for myself anyway there, there was this this homeless person that was uh, that was being on his mind and um so it's 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 th- those sorts of experiences that you know that um f- I mean, we hear it and we 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 rejoice in it. We get that warm feeling that there's an example of kindness. But the people standing in the aisle that watched that, that saw it themselves, and the old man and the beneficiary of that, these things become living evidences of of the love of God in 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 humankind. And so, um, I encourage us to 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 resensitize. Let let God provoke that kind of kindness in us. And uh, just a final comment is that it isn't, um, you know, this is the reaction that happens now. uh, And and it's the reaction that's going to give strength and hope to people who have have been standing in a queue somewhere waiting and know they've got to wait a full month before they get their their benefits or whatever. Um, uh, So... So we, so we are God's people now in the world, and uh, for us to take the opportunities that God provides for us, it, it's it's a very important in the mix. And let's be thankful that the government's doing something as well. And look, just to to add to something here, uh, interesting. When I was just reflecting that listener and their comment, uh, Lillian, who was saying the world is acting so kindly to each other, and oftentimes we talk about. A contrast of what it is to be Christian and have a certain way of caring for one another, uh, selflessness. We often will times will talk about a people who are moving away from God acting more selfishly. I wonder whether Charles, uh, there is still that residual Christian foundation that has become part of our national values that that continues to wash over people. And even in our government's response, uh, we can see that there is this kindness and care and uh, those sorts of compassionate things that we hope will be very evident as times continue to deepen. But what are your thoughts for this idea of a a residual Christian foundation that gives us some confidence, uh, knowing where Australia has come from, what's been our foundation, and what that might frame the response we have in a crisis like this? I, I agree that that's that that's a, a, an example of a residual Christian values. Uh, I think that uh, how it works, though, is that um, that uh, in the Christian faith, this has been what we might call a sort of formalized and normalized in the sense that we have recognised the value of it, the selflessness. We've seen it in Christ, and we've, if you like, we've theologized it, made it part of our faith. Um, but it doesn't mean that we've got a monopoly on it. Um, um, God is at work in the world uh, in so many amazing ways. We, we, we sometimes call this common grace, you know, that God, God doesn't just love Christians. You know, he loves everybody and he interacts with everybody um, at the level of their openness. I say to, that God is an opportunist, you know, if we give him, <laughs> we give him a little bit of an opportunity to influence us and to come into our lives, uh, he, he comes in and makes the most of it. And, and that's, uh, so, in human nature, we have this. In, in what it means to be human, we have this this complex uh, and almost conflicted uh, uh, tendency to pull in two directions. On the one hand, to be selfish, and on the other hand, to be selfless. And uh, and and that's that's who we all are to some degree. And uh, every selfless act, every act 
in which we in which we allow ourselves to, to act in a way that's selfless that opens us up to god in a way that um uh, that that surprises us and very often it's the kind of it's the kind of way that we consciously or unconsciously are just unlocking the heart door and allowing uh the influence uh, of christ in, in into our lives in a in a way that we we may not even realize that that's that's happening but that's the kind of thing that that keeps the heart soft and sensitive uh, to something more than just plain a soulless humanism that's about us. Charles, there's all sorts of downsides to a crisis that we are facing right now. Uh, But let's talk uh, upsides for a few moments because oftentimes when we feel under the weight of pressure, overwhelmed by circumstances, very hard to see the positives in all of this sort of thing. But uh, what are your thoughts on the fact that in every crisis there is going to be opportunities? Some of those are going to be good opportunities. Uh, What are your thoughts for uh, looking for an upside here? Uh, I'll tell you a story from the the, the, the kindness uh, pandemic website uh, Facebook page. It, uh, there's a there's a story there of a woman who 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 tells her story how she had had this uh, ongoing kind of um, fight with a neighbour and finally it it sort of settled into a, a no speaky type situation. They didn't talk to each other, didn't acknowledge each other in any way uh, because of you know incidental things that happened about the garden fence type thing. Um, uh, she just found herself being concerned about this aged neighbour, and so she just went over and sort of said, "Look, is there anything I can do? Can I get you anything from the shops?" And uh, the woman uh, was initially a bit, you know, shocked by the the fact that there was contact, um, um, but it, it it opened the door to a change. And um, she was in the garden soon, and the woman just reached over the garden fence and gave her five beautiful fresh tomatoes and uh, and that relationship is is healed uh, now there's still COVID-19 in the air there's still financial uh, crisis in the markets but there's peace across that fence and and that's the lived reality uh, of, of those people, that something is, has healed in them, uh, and and it was this crisis that that created the possibility of that occurring. And I I I see in crisis these unexpected and uncosted benefits. And uh, crisis of are of come to us in many different ways, but that that's the way this crisis is coming to us through these simple acts of reconciliation and kindness. And these are the things that actually affect us as human beings, and uh, that they will affect the way in which we uh, spend our money or save our money. They will uh, affect the way in which we talk to not just that neighbour across the fence, but everybody else in that street. You know, there are there are these there there's a potential for for great cultural change through these situations. When we looked at the fires and we looked at the generosity of people and the the way in which people were forced to care for each other and and to save each other's homes. I, I remember on one occasion I was down in the valley in Brisbane and um, with a group of guys. We used to just go down and talk to people uh, uh, about Jesus if it was opportune. And on the way back, we came to where our car was parked and, and the house just next to our car was on fire. And there's this woman standing outside on the street 
absolutely desperate because she has a little daughter that's asleep in a burning house. And uh, I'm not a courageous person. I'm just a human being. But that something rose in me, and I just grabbed her hand, and I said, show me. And we went to the house, and she said, the child's in there. And I'll never forget walking into that smoking house and finding that child. The picture's in my mind. It was one of those quilty uh, bedspreads, you know, the the quilting type things. And there on the bed was this beautiful little child of two or three. And I just quietly picked her up and took her out to her mother. Now, I can't find that place. I don't know where it is. And I've never seen that woman again. But I was changed by that opportunity. I was changed as a man. And I can't guarantee that I'm going to be like that tomorrow. But... I can pray and I can live with an orientation to God uh, because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, And that's why it's so important that we're tapped in to a living relationship with uh, with God uh, because of the generosity and the the beauty of His Spirit that, uh, that prepares us. We don't even know we're being prepared for those opportunities, but they they will come. Alicia on our Facebook page uh, writes something a little similar to the sentiment that you're communicating here, Charles. She says, if people use their faith wisely, they can bring the best or the worst. So it's a test of humanity. And uh, as you say, the way we treat people, uh, the way the opportunities will come, uh, where our faith puts us in the right frame, and uh, there's an opportunity to respond, to act, then it is going to bring out the best. And if we don't respond, that perhaps brings out the worst. Charles, time running short, I do want to ask you, about this Christian response that comes from that person who has faith in God and uh, at the moment maybe even feeling shaky. Uh, You know, how will I respond uh, if I can't pay the mortgage? If a family member is is, uh, diagnosed with COVID-19, they fall ill. All sorts of things will be going through people's minds. How we respond to God, we we said, I remember just before the news, uh, responding honestly before God. But let's spend a little uh, time just talking through some issues of prayer here because even though a lot of people will say I'm a Christian it doesn't mean that a lot of people spend a lot of time doing this discipline or having this relational idea of speaking to God and really from the depths of our own being what are your thoughts around prayer yes it's um uh it's a wonderful thing uh, prayer um, very often, but when we say the word prayer, people think about uh, making requests of God and you know reading the shopping list sincerely. Uh, but it's it's more than that. Um, uh, prayer is is about m- making time and opportunity just to quieten our hearts before God and, um, as it were, come to Him uh, uh, in our hearts and and wait for God to be God in our life. Um, and uh and let it be more what we might call more of a conversation more of a a, a relational experience than than just uh, uh, me putting a form into the government and uh i i think that the thing about faith is that you don't know whether you've got it uh, until you need it uh, you know you can say um <laughs> you know i have faith 
but when you get in a crisis, it's then that uh, that God kind of takes the theology or the idea and turns it into a lived reality. And what prepares us for that is that through our general prayer life, our life of openness to God, we become increasingly conscious of the majesty of who he is, the greatness of his uh, of his faithfulness, the greatness of his undeserved kindness, of his patience uh, toward us, the mercy of God toward us, that he does not judge us as our sins deserve. And as we become conscious of, of who he is, and the Bible is the, the prime source of, of directing our thoughts in this way, but, but there needs to be time to let it sink in, so that when we do find ourselves in a situation uh, that would normally uh, uh, cause panic, there's something else in us. Because what crisis does is it brings out what's there. And what I found is that, that in those difficult times, um, what comes out is that quiet assurance that oh, somehow or other the faithful God's going to bring us through this. I don't know how it is going to happen. Um, I wish it wasn't happening, but, but God is faithful and he will bring us through it. And so prayer is more than just talking to God. Uh, prayer is letting God be God, and he starts to change our he starts to change our, um, our our understanding of him and our relationship with him it becomes personal, and and something is being deposited. It's like rain that's going in there, raising the water table, and that's what's happening as we make it part of our normal life. Interesting, as we've been reflecting on the idea that Australia has moved more, and talking in general here, to a humanistic way of thinking of things. Uh, if you've been prepared in your heart along the lines of a humanistic response. Uh, you're, when, when you're squeezed, when the pressure's on, uh, when the rubber hits the road, what's going to come out is this idea of survival of the fittest because that's generally the upshot of how you respond if you're a bit more uh, along that humanistic line. But as you say, Charles, uh, prayer is that time of preparation that's changing us before God and when the crunch comes, when the pressure is on, what comes out is going to be a Christ-like response. And that looks very different to the humanistic-style response. This is the sort of thing, as you say, you might not know until you're in the crisis, until you're called on to act, just how you will respond. But you can do something about that preparation of the heart even now. So for people that have, even though they've been perhaps even connected with church, but having had a distance from the idea of prayer, of uh, this, you know, relational ability that we have to be able to, you know, pour out the deepest part of our our being to God. This is a time when people are going to turn to prayer. What are your thoughts around how people might approach that? If they've come from a place they haven't done much praying, how do you approach, uh, you know, a new, turning over a new page, a new leaf, and becoming a person of prayer? How does it look to you, Charles? <laughs> a big question. In a few words, um, start by uh, by trusting in the real presence of God in your life, even though your natural senses are not necessarily attuned to him. Uh, he is there. He promises to be there. He promises that he will never leave us nor forsake us, and that we may not be aware of that in a in a conscious way but um i know that for me that was one of the first steps i i i kind of it was like i got 
I was given grace for that to just trust that he he was there and uh, he was listening and then be entirely honest with him um, he knows exactly where you're at and uh, it gives you the opportunity to just whether out loud or privately just to tell him how things really are of course he knows how they really are but there's a real benefit in finding the words uh, there's a real benefit in struggling to find the words to describe the situation and how you feel um, and um, and uh, <laughs> give time um, use the scripture you know the, the Bible is it's my father used to say the Bible is God in print but what I, he meant by that was that God makes himself specially known he reveals himself especially in the words and the experiences of people in the, the recorded in the scriptures so use the Bible that way as well and uh, this time where we're all self-isolating and all that sort of thing it does give us um, time for quiet and time uh, to find um, to find God and to find something deeper in our lives um, so um, that's going to be a benefit well, our time has come to a close and just wonderful thoughts that you've been able to express there, Charles. And uh, the times ahead, they may be tougher times for many of us and uh, drawing close to God in this is going to be a source of strength. As you say, Charles, like the water table rising. And uh, for those listeners who've been so familiar with the drought that we've been battling over the last decade, uh, the idea of the water table rising gives us an idea that there is something to draw on in a time of need. Uh, let me just reflect the Facebook question, the poll, is the coronavirus bringing out the best or the worst in our nation? Uh, the final result, as we are at this point, and that poll will continue if you want to get a real-time idea of how Christians around the nation are responding, 44% saying that the coronavirus will bring out the best in our nation. Uh, and uh, then 56% a little more pessimistic, saying that it will bring out the worst in our nation. So uh, I invite you to continue the conversation on our Facebook post today, facebook.com forward slash vision radio and I encourage you to put your vote there and then obviously offer a comment so that others can be encouraged or enlarged in their understanding of what the the way you might approach that question. Charles Newington is the National Director of Family Voice Australia. Charles, you are always an encouragement, always appreciate how we can talk about the headlines, but you always take us so much more deeply into an appreciation of how we might approach those thoughts uh, from our biblical Christian perspective and uh, certainly been so valuable this past hour. Let me point people to the website for Family Voice Australia, familyvoice.org.au, familyvoice.org.au. There'll be some resources, there'll be articles that you can glean from Family Voice Australia. I encourage you to support Family Voice Australia as things move forward. Charles Newington, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and to share your heart with us today on 2020. Well, it's been a privilege. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 